the message I'm going to speak about today is entitled Tribal Gathering. And I actually spoke this message a few weeks ago before September 16th. This message was birthed um, through, <clears throat> really, it's, it's been ongoing for years now, but I just felt it's time, you know. And especially after the MUFW the past two years, the Lord dropped a few things. And then um, heading up to 16th of September, I just felt like now's the time to just sit down and <clears throat> do studies about this and really concise this word about the tribal gathering. And uh, when I preached it uh, the week after, Pastor Lee Chu speaks a word called, Now is the time. And so someone in my church sent me the link and she goes, and he goes, Pastor, watch this uh, sermon. You must watch this. You must watch this. You must watch this. I watched it and I was like, Oh, praise the Lord. Someone else also heard the same word. You know, it was a confirmation in my spirit and even more so that this is the time. You know, I just want to say forgive me for my voice. Actually, my voice is perpetually husky. I was, um, my friends say if I was a dog, I'd be a husky. And uh, I was born with this husky voice. My cousins somewhere here would, will be able to tell you that. But it's becoming even more huskier because we were just, we have been speaking in the power conference with live generation. Okay. It's been amazing, wonderful time. This is my, one, two, three, four, five. This is the fifth service, um, and and the fourth, uh, fifth, yeah, and the fifth one I've been speaking at, and so I'm I'm kind of losing my throat. But on the first night of the Power Conference, okay, last Friday night, and even this weekend, which is your mission weekend, Power Conference, the the the, the vision is you know to pray for revival, and on the Friday night as well, while we were having our first session. I get messages from Barrio. You know, Barrio got telephone line now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woo! You know, that's good for uh, the next-gen clubbits. Uh, we don't have to go crazy without internet. And um, I was getting messages from my mom, photos and videos, because on Friday night, they are also celebrating the 49th anniversary of the Barrio revival. <laughs> Guys, the 3rd of October... 3, 4 p.m., 1973, the Lord poured out His Spirit upon a group of students who were crying out for God to come and change their people and their land. Barrio had come to a decline in the spiritual because the clubbed people had received Christ in 1930s, okay? 1920, late 1920s to 1930s, the um, Australian missionaries came. I think you guys kind of know this story being SIB, okay? And, and, and when we became Christian, um, the Klabit people and also the Lunbawangs, they were the two tribes that, that gave up every other practice. They didn't do a mixture. They gave up all those other practices which were pagan and they followed a Jesus Christ in which was a, was a, was a man, you know, a messianic Jewish man from another country far, far away. And they followed after Jesus. You know, they gave the, their life and of course the whole tribe became Christian. And that was 40 years ago. And so by the time 1973 came, it was about 40 years, I mean, that's what I meant, 40 years in between that, and there was a spiritual decline in Barrio, and things had gone back to how it was before they were Christian, okay? Family groups had begun to start having quarrels amongst one another. There was dispute among, about land properties, drunkenness, immorality became on the rise, and then there was a preacher, his name was Petrus Octavius. He was an Indonesian preacher, and of course, at that time, um, uh, you know, the, the book, The Mighty Wind, about the revival that happened in East Timor had spread throughout Indonesia. This preacher arose and he began to go uh, across Borneo and across East Malaysia to preach the gospel. And it was then in 1970s where a group of students picked up what this word was being released through this pastor, Petrus Octavius, and they began to pray. And they prayed and they prayed and they said, Lord, Come, you are the only one who can change our people. You are the only one who can change this nation. And so on the, on the, on the 3rd of October, 4 p.m., 1973, my dad, who, who, who wrote the book, The Barrier Revival, he was the teacher in that room. And actually, um, he was a teacher of the ICF teacher. And, and they were having a, 
leaders meeting, ICF leaders meeting. And in that room, he actually wanted to tell these students that he wanted to step down because he felt like he was living a double life. And so as he began to tell these students in the room and he said to them, guys, I don't think I'm qualified to lead you. And so these students um, who were, have been praying, they also said, maybe we are not too. But teacher, can I pray? So one of the, one of, and so my dad said, yes, um, pray. And so this, one of the students stood up and he began to pray. And his prayer was a repentant prayer. And he said, Lord, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of our sins, God. And he said, forgive us, and may we forgive one another. And then something broke out in that small room, and they all began to cry out. They wailed, and they cried out, and they wailed, and they cried out. So much so, many, many students, they were living in the boarding schools around there, left their boarding rooms and ran to that very place where these kids and, and my dad was praying and crying, and they all surrounded, and that's the beginning of the Barrio Revival. In fact, what would, why they would mark it that day, why that day would be the tipping point was because at the same time, there's a teacher's quarters nearby. And one of the teachers in that teacher's quarters, when he heard this wailing, he doesn't know where it came from. So he started to, he came out of his room, he said, and he stood at the balcony. And when he was trying to find out where is this wailing, where is this crying coming from, guess what? He heard a wind come through the valleys of Barrio and it went, it became so strong. He said he could feel it. He could hear it. It was so loud. But nothing was moving. There wasn't like this, um, like there was no manifestation. Things didn't blow up. Things didn't fly off and things like that. But he heard this loud wind that came in through the valley. And, and, and you know, barrio, is, barrio literally means barrio. And barrio means um, wind in, the, in our clubbit language. Before they even knew it, they were already prophesying it that the wind of God would blow into Barrio. And ladies and gentlemen, next year we're going to celebrate the 50th Jubilee year of the Barrio revival, which marks a whole generation has already seen it. And now our generation, we are crying out and we're saying, God, do it again. God, we need you to do it again. We need you to do it again. And... My auntie, who lived through those times in 1973, I just did an interview with her because we're doing the Barrio Revival documentary, I'm preparing for next year. So I've been doing a lot of interviews with people I've been having dinner with all these years. And finally, I'm hearing all these stories, you know. She told me, Rich, it feels like the same again. The climate, you know, people have this romantic idea of Barrio. Like they have a romantic idea of Israel. That when you go there, you know, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to be super spiritual. And there are going to be people praying and, uh, you know, this romantic idea. But to be honest, there is a spiritual decline right now. And, and the older generation and our people are crying out. And we're saying, God, do it again. You did it before. You can do it again. You are the only one who can save our people. You can, are the only one who can save our tribes. You can, are the only one who can save the, the interiors, the, the tribals and the groups. And you can, are the only one who can save Malaysia. And that's what we are praying for. Amen. That's what we're praying for. And the time is now. You all are caught up in this beautiful timeline of God. It is a prophetic timeline of the destinies that God has already prepared for Malaysia. And it didn't just start in this past 10, 20 years. It started from our forefathers, even from our spiritual forefathers who wrote the books in the time of the Old Testament. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, there is a cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. And it's almost like they cheer us on and they say, go. Go, Pastor Chu. Go, Pastor Lee Chu. Go, Pastor Miranda. Go, go, go. And they're cheering us on. All our forefathers that have gone before us, that have paved the way before us, they stand in that cloud of witnesses in the stadium and they shout to you, go. 
And that's why the word says in, in Hebrews chapter 12 that for the race and that uh, and for the race we must endure for the race that has been set before us. There has been a race that's been set before us that has begun from the previous generations until now, our generation, and it goes forward. And when we run on this race, we are paving the way for our children and our children's children that they will see the race that we began and I see the race that my grandparents began. They started upon a race. They gave up everything. Their pagan worship. You know, you, do you understand what that means? They gave up things that they understood for a long time, like chains that were upon them for years and years. Chains. When, when, the, when the missionaries found the Klebit people, there was only like 1,000 something plus of us left. You can read it in Hudson Southall's book. In fact, when they asked the Raja, you know, the, the Raja Brook family, can we go into the interiors? We want to go to the Klebit people and to, you know, the, the upper Baram River people. And, 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 the, and the, the Raja said, don't bother going there. There's not many of them left. In the next five years, they're going to be extinct because they're so addicted to their alcohol. And, and hygiene was an issue because they will drink, they will vomit, you know, and that if your children grew up to a teenager, praise the Lord, they will be so happy about that because your child became a teenager because many children died. And, and they were chained to all of their all of their sins and everything and they didn't know how to get out of it until they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and they forgo everything, all of those things and that's the journey my grandparents took and today I can count myself blessed. Me and my cousins can count ourselves blessed. Now we, we, we have clothes on our back, roof on our head, we have a big belly ongoing, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Trying to work on this. I thought I'd lose it during the fasting, but I don't know, I became hungry in the spirit, you know. <laughs> and they have run their race. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our time to run our race. I don't know your story, but every one of you has a story to tell of how God saved your life, how God saved your grandparents, your great-grandparents, and now there is this race that has been set before us. And we need to run in. Because our children and our children's children, they're waiting for us to pave the way. Amen. Amen. Woo! Every service is different, huh, Pastor? Huh? But tonight, today, just now, Pastor gave me the free wills and I just go for it. I said, okay. Um, I, was, I was just doing worship. The Lord said, talk about the burial revival. Just talk about the burial revival. So I had to do that. You know, this is my first time um, ministering here in ISI BKL. Um, and so I just want to introduce a little bit of myself. Again, um, I'm a pastor's kid, right? And so I grew up in a pastor's family. And you must understand, when, when I saw those slides, that oh, your mission weekend slides, the first time I saw was last night. I teared in my seat. I teared in my seat because every number represented a family of pastor, a, a pastor and their family. And every family represented children. I was one of those children, you know. <laughs> I was one of those kids. My dad earned um, three digits for the first five years of his ministry. That's all the, the church could afford to pay him. Man, I don't know what it means to live abundantly before. I, I mean, we never lacked that's the truth. God always took care of us. But I only had one pair of jeans. Lah. And because our ministry was, you know, to a lot of the interior people, I realized there were more poorer people than me, you know. And my mom would give away my jeans. <laughs> and I'd be like, Mom, where's my jeans, Mom? So I go, oh, you know, there's this, couple, this family that came in just now. Are you also kasian that children don't have jeans? So I give it. <laughs> okay, Mom. Don't you know we are so poor? <laughs> but, um, that's the most anointed slides because when I saw it and then the second time again this morning I saw it, I teared. Because you're making the new impact. Whether you know it or not, you are helping families 
and children which you will never really know where they will go to. And I was one of those kids. But Malangya, I'm a typical pastor's kid. I want to do the total opposite of my parents. So I, I ran away. I was like, no, I don't want to do this Christian thing that I, I'm done. I grew up in this and I thought I will try and figure out something else. And I got involved in the wrong group of friends. And when I did, um, uh, it went from just like bad things to worse. And then, and then I, I got into drug addiction. Okay. And um, at, by the end of it, it was... I started from, you know, the soft drugs. By the end of it, I went into meth. And meth is, is, is like, it really just uh, fries your brains, okay? It's really bad for you. Don't do that, in case you didn't know. And, and so, um, at 22 years old, in 2009, I gave my life to the Lord. And um, what happened was, right before that, my, my drug dealer, okay, he got caught in Brunei. And when you get caught in Brunei, it's not life sentence like in Malaysia. It's death sentence, okay, because it's a Muslim country. Anyway, um, so the cops came after him, and he came after everybody under him. And so one day I got a phone call from a friend, and he says to me, Hey, Rach, um, they're coming after us, and uh, do you have 2,000 bucks? Maybe we can pay them off or think about something, I don't know. And I was like, I don't have 2,000 bucks. What do you think I'm doing this with you? <laughs> anyway, after that phone call, I trembled. I hung up and I just ran away. I ran away from this group of friends. I just changed my friends and I just ran away. And I went into depression. And so that's where I was at 22. I went into depression. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And then someone invited me to a conference in Penang. It was actually a Christian media conference. So God can use anything really if he wants to call son and daughter home. I went to this Christian media conference. Pastor Victor Wong preached a very simple message. And I lifted up my hands and I said, yes, Lord, I'm done. I'm so done with trying to live this life. I don't know how to do it. You know, I'm broken. My brains are like fried. You know, th th those days uh, when I just came back to the Lord, I couldn't form. Uh, I started a lot. Stutter, stutter, stutter. I couldn't put 10 words together properly um, because, you know, I just couldn't speak properly. I took too much drugs. And at that time, I just gave my life to the Lord. I said, God, if you can do something with this, it's already broken. And I'm sorry that when I gave it to you, it looks like this, but... Take it from me, God. If you can do something with this, it is yours. And from that day on, um, I started to read the Bible. I got so excited. I would read the Bible throughout the night. And God would speak to me. And, and just reading the Word of God healed me, okay? Guys, you want a trick to be healed? Read the Word of God. The, the Scripture just healed my brains, okay? And, and, and every day I did what you call S-O-A-R, Scripture, Observation, Application, and uh, Response. And I did that every day. I have six volumes of diary to prove it to you. I did that. And, and then my brain became, began to become better. I could start to think better. I could just start to, to, to speak better. And only recently I read this book, um, Think Eat and Learn or something by Caroline Leaf. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a neuroscientist, okay? And she did research that when people read the Bible, uh, they would make more neural connections in their brain that it caused people to be healed. And she did this other research that she put a scan on people's brains and um, they would get them to speak in tongues. So they would start to speak in tongues and they would see that their brains made more neural connections, you know. And, and your brain begins to heal just by reading the Word of God and just by speaking in tongues. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And if any one of you need healing in your brain, in your, ball, in your body, and in your spirit, begin to digest the Word of God. Amen. That's really good bacteria. Hallelujah. Amen, better than probiotics. Get it inside of you and let it heal you. You know, I got out of drugs on, in, my own, um, in my own meaning, in meaning I didn't tell anyone. I, I couldn't tell anyone. My dad's a pastor, and if anybody knew that this pastor's daughter is taking drugs, I knew it would be the end of my dad's career. So I kept it to myself. But uh, I began to... Um, pray and I got out of it 
by a lot of prayer, shook um, in, in the bedroom, sleeping with my parents because I couldn't handle it, you know, and, and then I gave my life, I told you that's 2009, in 2012, I met, uh, 2011, December, I met Pastor Sabrina, and she was our youth pastor, uh, youth preacher, she came to speak to us in December 2011, okay, and then she did a call for discipleship, and it was at that youth camp, December 2011, uh, 24 years old, I said, yes, Lord, I want to be a disciple for Jesus. And how many of you know that salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your whole life. It will cost you your whole life. Everything that you have ever known, you got to give it all up for discipleship of Christ. And that's when my life began to just change and it accelerated so much. Everything that's happened in my life is just in the past 10 years. Some people don't even recognize me anymore. I don't even recognize myself anymore sometimes. It's like creepy, you know. Uh, sometimes I preach and my classmates are sitting at the back of the hall. Then they come to me like, hey, Rach, you remember me? You know, yeah, what's your name? Huh? Michelle, I used to be your, your prefect in, in Century Star in high school. I was like, oh, hey, hi, Michelle. She's like, yeah, what happened to you? Huh? How did this happen? Huh? I said, I don't know, only Jesus. Lah. He said, you used to give me a lot of trouble, you know. You, you made high school living hell for me, you know. Never want to put on your belt, lah. Don't put your name tag, lah. Never walk away, lah. Call me. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Even as Christ has forgiven me, please forgive me. You know. <laughs> An acceleration in this past 10 years. Because total abandonment. Total abandonment to your own life. I thought I was doing well, you know, when, when, when I went to that youth camp. I was like 80% sold out for Jesus. Hey, 80% is cool. Still A, right? Still A, ma. I'm not taking drugs anymore, ma. Still good, ma. I'm leading. I'm serving. I thought, okay, la, not bad, la. And then I heard discipleship was 100%. Totally, completely. All the young people in this place, can I tell you something? When you give your life to Jesus, what is supposed to take 10 years can take 10 months. Acceleration. What is supposed to take 10 months can take 10 weeks. What is supposed to take 10 weeks can take 10 days. And God can accelerate your, your life so fast. You'll see things happen really fast. And you will come into a place of your destiny sooner than you ever know. And for some of you young people, there's a delay over your life because you're only giving 70, 80, 90% to the Lord. And some of that is good, but He desires 100%. No more delay over your life in Jesus' name. No more delay over your life. The time is now. This is our time. We've got to move with the season. We've got to move with God. God is on the move and we must move with Him. Amen. We thank God for all He did in 1973. And there's a monument on that Barrio Revival Hill that says God came into this land in 1973. But God is on the move. He's not a monument. He's a movement. Amen. And He's calling all of us to take our place. But He cannot do it if you're only giving half of your life to God. Young people, he's worth it. And I tell you, it's the best life you will ever live. I never imagined that I could stand on this platform, not in my wildest dreams, not in my wildest thoughts, but in Ephesians 3.20, it says, more than you can ever ask, more than you can ever dream, more than you can ever imagine. God can do immeasurably more than all of that. Amen. You know what? I want to pray for young people. Is that okay, pastors? If you are, you know, Malaysia, right? Youth is 40, you know. So if you are 40 and below, you know why? You know, I realized something. We always talk about the millennials. I pray for the millennials. Pray for the millennials. You know who I really kasihan? The Generation X. Oh, poor guys. Everybody want to talk about the millennials, but we forget the Generation X. <laughs> the ones in, the, in that 40, 40 and 50. Okay, so anyway, if you are 45... And below. Can you please stand up? Come on, 45 and below. Whoa, whoa. Pastors, Pastor Chu, Pastor Lichu, you have an army here. Your next gen, so many of them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Wow, so many of you. Just raise your hands. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just cancel every delay over their life in Jesus' name. I just say and say right now, no more delays over your life. You're not to go round in circles anymore. The Lord has prepared a way for you. He's prepared a destiny for you. You're not to be stuck in your chains, in your comfort zone, in your old ways. There is a better place for you. And so, Father, I pray now, propel them into your destiny in Jesus' name. Propel them into your destiny in Jesus' name. God, I pray, allow them to know who they are in you. God, restore their sonship, restore their sonship, God, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. The enemy has come to try and steal, kill, and destroy your life through your identity. Next generation, this is the biggest war that we're having in this generation is identity. And the enemy has tried to steal that away from you. But Father, even right now, restore identity that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Bring restoration healing, and no more delay. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh. I was so anointed. When you all stood up, I just, an army is ready. An army is here. Army is ready. Praise the Lord. Where am I? Huh? We're going to the message. Praise the Lord. Ah. Woo. That was the intro of the intro. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay, do you have your Bibles with you? Are you ready for the word? Yes? Okay, let's try and go through this. Revelation chapter 7, 9 to 10. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Someone say, all nations... All tribes, all peoples, all tongues. And they're standing before the throne and the, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Amen. And so this is speaking about a time where in the future, prophetic time in the future, where all nation and all tribe and all people group will have received the gospel and they have received and heard the gospel and there, there is like this global revival that will have come to pass and all these people will come and then they will surround the throne of God, all right, and then they will say, you know, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. And so that's why I've entitled my message, The Tribal Gathering. The Tribal Gathering. You know this word, um, every nation and every tribe, is the Greek word ethnos, and ethnos means Gentiles, all right? And so all of us here in this room are Gentiles, unless you have Jewish heritage, specifically if your mom is Jewish, and then only you are Jewish, okay? But if not, that's all of us in this very room. Now the reference point, uh, there are two references, main references to the scripture in Revelation chapter 7. I'm just going to read it to you. Matthew 24, verses 14 is the first one, and it says this in this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, can someone say, and then? And then the end will come. And so it's speaking about how the gospel must go throughout all the nation. And then the end will come. Another reference is Romans chapter eleven twenty-five. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until, someone say until, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Amen. And so, and so there is like a partial blindness that are upon the Jewish people or the, in, upon Israel right now. And they will continue to be partially blind about this matter until the whole earth has heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all know today that God is preparing this world for a global revival. How do I know? Because the last two years, we've just gone through a global pandemic. A global pandemic. And God has just set the stage for us right now to prepare a global revival. No more just a barrio revival. Huh? 
No more just a Welsh revival contained in a small city, in a small town somewhere. Not just the Azusa Street revival, but a global revival where all nations, all people will come. And this, this blindness that it speaks about is that, and, uh, is that because, you know, um, the, 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 the Israelites and the Jewish people, if you go to Israel today, they're still at the waiting wall and they're still praying for the Messiah to come. That's what they're doing at the waiting, at wailing wall. Wailing wall. They're praying for the Messiah to come. But they do not know that the Messiah has already come. And when we have come to the fullness of that prophetic word, you know what? These people will begin to see and they'll begin to say, are they worshiping our God, Yahweh, Jehovah? That's our God. That's our God. And then that's the end times, right? And then, then they'll receive Christ and then 144,000. Okay, that's Christian eschatology. <laughs> I leave that to Pastor Chu. I know he did a series on revelations and so I leave that to him. Okay, but, but this, is, this is that prophetic timeline. And now we're living in this day and age, amen. And so allow me to contextualize this and, and allow me to say it this way. If the tribes are the Gentile nations, then Israel is God's firstborn nation. Israel is God's firstborn nation. And the Jewish people are God's firstborn uh, children, okay? And whether you like the Jews or not, it doesn't matter because God loves them. They are the apple of His eyes. And so our role is to love them, support them, and pray for them. Amen. Doesn't the scripture says that if you love Israel, if you bless Israel, you will be blessed. But if you curse Israel, you will be cursed. And so this morning, I just want to go through a little bit uh, of the concept of the firstborn, okay? I want to go through the concept of what it means to be a not so long. Someone say, I'm not so long. I'm not so long, firstborn, and um, I'm going to give us six concepts, and I'm going to tie it back up to what that means for us here as Malaysians. Real quick, number one, Jesus Christ is the highest of the firstborn, amen. Colossians chapter 1, 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus Christ has the highest honor in all of God's domain. Amen. All of us are adopted sons and daughters, but Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And He is worthy. He's worthy to open up the cross. He's worthy to die on the cross for our sins. And He is worthy of our whole life. You bet it, He's worthy. He is our Anat Sulong. Number two. King David is referred as the firstborn of kings. In Psalms 89, okay, this whole passage, go back, read it. It's really about King David dedicated to him. In verse 27, also I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. There were many great kings of Judah, many great kings in Israel, but none was greater than David. God loved David. But we all know that David was the youngest son of Jesse. Yes? He was the youngest son of Jesse. And yet God loved him. And God used him. Can I say something? Just real quick. The firstborn blessing can be bypassed if disobedience happens. And so if, if you are the firstborn and there's disobedience, uh, like, like total rebellion, okay? Unrepentance in your life. That calling goes to the next in line. And then if that next in line um, doesn't receive it, then that calling goes to the next in line. We can see that even in many stories of siblings in the Bible. I'm just going to mention just one, okay? Jacob was chosen over Esau, although Esau was the firstborn. The thing with Esau was this. He didn't understand the worth of his heritage as a firstborn. He took it very lightly. He took it so lightly that he was willing to sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. <sighs> Do you not know the worth and the heritage? You know, that's the word that the Lord gave me in 2018 when I was praying for the tribes. And he said, Rach, you're a spiritual brat. I was like, what does that mean? He said, you know those rich kids, the spiritual uh, those rich kids, brats, their parents work so hard for them to be super rich and they just throw it away or they don't know how much it costs to get there and they, they waste their life away. And it's like, that's like you and your generation. You don't know what you have. 
You don't know, you have no idea. You have no idea the price it costs for your grandparents to have this heritage. You have no idea the worth, the spiritual heritage that you have. And that's the first time I really repented before the Lord. I said, God, open my eyes. I need to see. And Esau was like that. He took very lightly his heritage. He took very lightly his calling as a firstborn. And you know what? Jacob wasn't the most perfect brother either. He was a big fat liar, right? He deceived his brother, he deceived his father. And then he got so scared, he ran away. But one thing about Jacob is this. He had a heart for God. Jacob had a heart for God. He was willing, he was repentant. He knew he had done wrong by cheating his brother and his father. In the wilderness, he went in, you know, and, 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 and God uh, took care of him and things like that. He went through years and years and years of God working in his heart, working in his heart. And the Lord said, you will be my firstborn. And he named, his, named him Israel, Jacob. That's good news for all of us, amen. We all have a past. We all come from broken families and broken stories. We've all done a lot of things we never wish we did. But the good news is this, for as long as you have a heart for God, God can still use you. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. Number three, Israel is the firstborn of the nations. Exodus 4, 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. There are 195 nations on planet earth, but Israel is God's chosen nation. Amen. And for this reason, Satan hates Israel with a vengeance, right? And the Holocaust was just the one attempt for, by Satan to wipe up, wipe up God's firstborn. And whether you like Israel or not, you know what? It doesn't matter to God. He loves them. They are the apple of his eyes. All we have to do is support them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Amen. Let's move on. Number four. The firstborn of the family inherits the double portion blessing. Someone say double portion. Woo! Double portion. Okay, Deuteronomy 21, 17. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all he has. For is the beginning of his strength, the right of the firstborn is his. There is a double portion blessing that's given to the firstborn and all the other siblings only get one portion. But listen, although there's a double portion blessing, there's also a double portion battle over your life. And all the firstborn say amen. You guys know this, firstborns, right? When you were a child and you're growing up and your parents are like, you're a role model to your siblings. You must study hard. Don't, don't do this. Please be good. Your, your siblings are looking at you. You must, you know, pave the way for them, role model for them. Are you also kasian, right? And, then, and, 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 and um, you always kner. When siblings fight, even though it's the younger person's fault, they will call you. You are the kokoma. You are the chechema. She's meme, what she know. Please, la ho, please. Don't do this. I don't know why I become so Chinese here. I mean, it's the anointing. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing with the firstborn. <laughs> but we owe it to our firstborn siblings that if they walk right before the Lord, you know what? The other children get it better. The other siblings get it better. You know that, right? You see, I'm the youngest in my family. I have two older brothers. And not only that, I'm the only girl. So I'm, I'm like, it's the best life ever because I get to have my own room. The two of them always have to share. <laughs> And, uh, and, and every, every time I want to do something naughty, I'll just... Balan did it, ba. Balan's my eldest brother. He did it, ba. So, so, of course, I can do it also, you know. And uh, it's always like that, right? They, they're very hard on the firstborn. By the last one, they're like, okay, la, do whatever you want, la. Don't care, already. <laughs> but the firstborn sibling paves the way. You know what? I cannot tell my story of how I came into full-time ministry without telling you about my brother, Jonathan Balan Solomon. He's a pastor in every nation's Kuala Lumpur. Okay, his name is Jonathan Balan. When he lived here and worked here, they thought he was Indian. They thought he was Jonathan Balan. 
you know, and one time they're like, oh, John, in, the, in a class or something, he said, they're calling out, Jonathan Ballen, Jonathan Ballen, and he stood up for a long time. They just couldn't see. Then he was like, here, teacher. Oh, you are Ballen, uh? you Indian. Uh? He's like, no, I'm not. My uncle is Indian. La. <laughs> we got a lot of Indian uncles. <laughs> uncle Dorai, Uncle Sam, praise the Lord. I hope you're watching. <laughs> if you're watching. Anyway, and, uh, and, and my brother... When, uh, when I wanted to come into full-time ministry, he was the first person I talked to about it. You know, and my brother, he came back to the Lord. All three of my siblings were total rascals, very, very naughty. My poor parents. Bless them. Okay. And, uh, and, and so when he came back to the Lord, I thought, okay, it's now safe to come back home too. And so I came back to the Lord after I saw my brother came back home. Then I told him that I wanted to come to full-time ministry. I was surprised that his response to me was, Go, Kadung, go. I support you. This is good. The Lord needs more full-time workers. Go, go, go. I support you. Whatever mom and dad says, don't worry. I'll support you. I was like, wow. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I tell you, if it wasn't for my brother, I wouldn't have had the courage to tell my parents. And then when I told my parents, I was like, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to full-time ministry. I was so surprised for their response also. I thought that if I told them, they're going to kill the biggest calf, you know. We're going to throw a party. My daughter is going to become a pastor like me. But they turned to me and be like, are you sure? I didn't hear it all. I said, yeah, I think so. And they're like, no la, no la. You're doing so well. You're working oil and gas. You're doing so well. You're my retirement fund. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Um, they didn't say it, but they thought it. And, uh, and I was like, oh. Anyway, we went through a lot, my parents and I. Um, but where we are today is God's grace. And our relationship is better than, than before. And they are now our greatest supporters in ministry. My mom, my dad, greatest supporters in, in our ministry. Dad is still a pastor with BEM. And coincidentally, his church is called BEM Cornerstone. Yeah, coincidentally. All right. Um, and, and so, that's amazing. Um, but back to my brother. Thank God for my brother. You know, Balan, if you are watching today, thank you for paving the way. With that point, can I just get the firstborns? If you are the firstborn in your family, you're in your sibling, can you just stand up for a while? Just want to quickly pray a prayer, blessing over you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, 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 wow. So many. Oh, po ayam. You know what po ayam means? It means kasian. <laughs> it means my darling in Clavit. Father, I just thank you for your firstborn sons and daughters. Father, I thank you that from the foundation of this earth, you have already appointed them to be firstborns in their family and among their siblings. And God, even as they walk righteously before you, the very reason they are here in this very room uh, uh, says that they have chosen to walk rightly before you. And so, Father, even as they are here right now, I pray you bless them, God. Protect them, God. I plead the blood of Jesus over their life, even as they pave the way for their siblings and their children and their children's children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Bless you, firstborns. Get ready for my fifth point. Satan hates the firstborn. <laughs> And this is why I had to pray for you, okay? Um, this is, I mean, like, man, the enemy has always come after the firstborn, right? When something happens, they will, the, the, the plague comes and it comes after the firstborn. And when they wanted to um, uh, kill Jesus, they took over the, you know, when Herod wanted to find Jesus as a baby, they took the firstborn. And, and the principle of the firstborn is that the firstborn sets a pattern. The firstborn is like the seed that sets the pattern for others. And in our human race, our, fuse, our firstborn brother is Jesus Christ. In Psalms 118, 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone is the first stone that's laid out as the standard to build something. And so once the chief cornerstone is laid out and all the other stones get laid and get put next to that first stone which is the standard and Jesus Christ is our role model he is our prototype and he is our standard amen amen 
The firstborn family is not only referring to natural firstborns, but also spiritual firstborns. For example, the first person in the family to graduate from university. If you are the first one in your family to graduate from university and it's never been done before, you bet you it's going to be tough. But when you do it, like Laura and Gerald here have risen up to stand up and to be the firstborn, their firstborn uh, children also, you know, and then as, as they stand up and they study and they're going to be engineers and doctors, they're going to break that generational curse within their family, within their tribe, because when others see them, when their siblings see them, and when their cousins see them, and they say, if you can do it, I can do it too. Amen. And there's some of you in this place, you come from a line of heritage where your uncles, your aunties, your grandparents are, are divorcees or something like that. You know, they've gone through a lot of divorce in your family and, and now it's come to you. And for generations, there has been this curse over your family and God is calling you to rise up and to stay in your marriage. Fight for your family. Fight for your husband. Fight for your wife. Because the greatest miracle I've ever seen, I've seen a lot of amazing things, you know. I, I, I really, really, like, like S-curve spine becomes straight. I've seen people do a lot of amazing things. But the most amazing thing I've really ever seen is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because I know what it's like when unforgiveness and bitterness happens, especially in a marriage. But if you would fight for your family, fight for your husband, your wife, you will... anymore. Amen. Amen. And especially when you stand up to break these generational curses, you know what? The enemy is going to come after you. You think what? He's going to stand around and fold his arms and let you do that? He was so happy. You, you all were stuck in, in, in chains. He's not just going to sit around. He's going to come after you. But praise the Lord, our firstborn brother, Jesus Christ, has already paid the price for us. And we needn't be afraid. Amen. Fear not, for the Lord is with you. He will lift you up with His righteous right hand and you can fight this battle with Him and for Him in Jesus' name. Allow me to bring everything to a landing, okay, with my last point, number six. If Israel is the firstborn of the nations, the indigenous tribes are the firstborn of a nation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, when, when, when I wrote this and I was preparing this message, I had to give a lot of context before I land here. Because for me to say this is a bit prasan, right? <laughs> but uh, I was shivering when I preached this the first time in my church. I didn't know. Uh, I know it's just like, wow, such a bold thing to say. But it was Pastor Lei Chu when she preached that message, the time is now. I just had the courage. So courage rise and I was just like, okay, this is the word for this season. This is the word for this season. The indigenous tribes are the firstborn of a nation. We are the Anna Sulongs of this land. And whether you like the native indigenous tribes or not, it really doesn't matter to God because they are the apple of his eyes. They love, he loves the indigenous tribes. And so what we have to do is support them, believe in them, fight for them, pray for them. Amen. This past couple of weeks, I was doing um, counseling with a couple in, in, in my church, and this Chinese lady wants to marry a native boy. And she told me, hey, Pastor Rach, I hope you don't get offended by this. But my family are not happy about this because he's native. And they say that Chinese are better than the native. I was like, you know we're headhunters or not? You sure you want to say that? Just kidding, just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, that I wasn't offended, really. I wasn't offended because that's not the first time I heard it. You know, I've already dealt with this. And um, interestingly, I pastor a church in Miri and Kuching. Majority, about 80%, um, I think, or even... Yeah, 80% are Chinese people, okay? So, so the Chinese know I love them and they love me, praise the Lord. And um, I wasn't offended, but I knew that this is the word for this season. It just gave me the courage to prepare this and, 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 and speak about this. 
the thing is this, guys, you know, the native and the tribal people of this nation, the Orang Asli of West Malaysia, the Daya Orang Ulu, the Dusuns of East Malaysia, we don't actually know our identity as the firstborns. We don't have this, this sense of our identity as the first bonds because you know we've been looked down upon for so long we were we we were grew up our our previous generation grew up in the in the jungles and so you know yeah we're a little bit slower we don't count as fast as you all you know you all count like it's like wow so fast i don't know how you do it you know and and yeah we're a little bit slower we talk we talk quite slow right um most of us not me i'm trained by singaporeans so i talk very fast uh, um, and, 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 and we need your help to rise up to know who we are. Amen. You know, there is like this blindness that has come upon um, the, the, the tribal people. It's the same kind of blindness that we read in Romans chapter 11, 25. It says, just as there is a blindness among the Israelites, there's also a blindness among the natives and the tribes about the identity and their heritage, really. There is like this, this, this covering over our eyes that we don't really know who we are. And, 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 and okay, let me just go straight up to um, two things that must happen for the tribes to unveil their eyes. Number one is this, that the foreigners must come and surround the people of the land. Foreigners must come and surround the people of the land. In, in Isaiah 60 verse 10, the sons of the foreigners shall build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. And so the Lord calls the foreigners to come and help build up the walls. And guess what, guys? You are the answered prayer. You are God's mercy. Foreigners, you are God's mercy over the native and tribal people. Please, uh, don't be offended by this word foreigner. Of course, I know you're all Malaysians. You, you were born here. It's probably second, third gen Malaysians. But I'm talking about foreigner heritage. Okay? And, 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 and you are God's answer to our prayers. That if you would understand your calling, there'll be no competition which, between which tribe or whatever. If there's no competition and we know our calling. If you would help us, pull us up, you know. You are the stronger tribe. We know that. I know that. You're faster, smarter, lebih cakap than us. You know, pull us up. Help us up. And then we'll all come into our destiny. Amen. So that we all can come into our destiny. Train us. Equip us. Love on us. Empower us. Pray for us. We need you. We need you in this race. Amen. The second thing is this. The tribes must come to salvation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. For again, another move of revival. And especially amongst the tribes. Because when revival comes amongst the tribes, then there will be no more racial divide. You know, within the tribes itself, there's a lot of disunity. There's a lot of quarrels. And, in, and since I've been doing this, I did this, uh, the, the, the research for the Barrio Revival. And I, initially I thought that the land was, um, became fruitful because, you know, I thought it was a supernatural thing that the Spirit of God came and touched the earth and it just seeped through the earth or something. But when I did research, more research, I interviewed my grandmother. And my grandmother was... Did I tell this story already? Not yet. And my... Sorry, that's service. And my grandmother told me the story of... She was the, the wife of the chief. And, and she was the wife of the chief at the time. And she told me that there were a lot of disputes that were going on in the clubbing community that my grandfather was so busy dealing with, you know, family disputes over property, over land. Two to three disputes every day. So busy. But then when revival came, God, every people repented towards God and asked for forgiveness from one another. All of these disputes began to dissolve and they on their own. And then my grandfather became more free. He went on holiday for three years. And, and I thought, you know, um, and then when I did more research, I found out the land was fertile and became more fruitful because of this. Because when the people stopped fighting, they had more time to toil the land. When people stopped fighting, they had love in their hearts. They had more time to love on their work, to, to take care of their land, to toil the grounds of their land. And the pineapples became sweeter. The rice became better. You know, we won an award for the best rice in the world. Strange, huh? 
and the, and the salty the salt became saltier the girls became prettier <clears throat> I don't know what happened to the boys <laughs> it's my cousin Sagao here Nicholas Sagao <laughs> that was for you um, and, and, and that's what happened with revival okay is that societal change happened Guys, when we pray for revival, it's not just for the manifestations. It's not so that we can see fireballs in the sky, although that's great. It's not just so that we can see people rolling and people laughing and people screaming. It's not for the manifestations itself, but it's unto societal change. That when revival comes into our land, our nation shall be changed. Peace shall come onto this land again. And the Anasulongs will rise up. They will take their place of authority. They will restore back the ancient keys that belongs to them and every door that has been shut shall be opened in Jesus name and every door that, that it needs to be closed of sexual perversion of addiction and all these things Lord when they when they have that key the ancient keys they close doors that shall be shut in Jesus name that's why we need revival that's why we pray for revival it's because we need to see God move and bring healing to this land if our, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and then I will forgive their sins and heal their land. You see, when we are forgiven, we live in freedom. We live in freedom. And our hands begin to touch and begin to work. We begin to build the walls again. Begin to go into the marketplace and make changes again. And things begin to change. And then God will heal our land. That's why we want revival. I hope you guys are not sick of praying for revival. I know it's been years and years you've been praying for revival. But I tell you what, we're at the tipping point right now because this is the time. And all your prayers have not gone to waste. Your prayers have been filled into a bowl. And now the bowl is being full and it's going to come into a tipping point. We're right now in the 49th year of the Borough Revival and we're entering into the 50th Jubilee year. And Jubilee year represents restoration. And, and if you're a Bible scholar, you understand this. Jubilee actually begins on 49th. It is that whole year from the 49th to the 50th. The 50th is celebration. We made it. But it begins now. We have this one year. It's not an event, huh? Can I just say the 50th year is not an event. But it's going to be something. They'll propel us to even greater. Your prayers are not wasted. Your sowing is not wasted. What you have given, what you have done in the past years was good but greater still and more to come. Amen. I pray that SIBKL, the doors will be open for you to go into Sarawak. I see you've done a lot in Sabah. You've done some in Sarawak. But even more so, we release the doors to be open into Sarawak that you will continue to bless East Malaysia. Amen. Amen. I know I've gone way ahead of my time, but so many of you have stayed back. Praise the Lord so much amen allow me to just allow us to just worship and praise we respond to the word just stand on your feet with me in jesus name jesus send revival god do it again lord do it again god we just pray for the tribes god we pray for the tribes wherever they are in the interior places of Sabah and Sarawak, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray for every one of them, God, to rise up, to take their place, to not be afraid. God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite all the native, indigenous, tribal people from West Malaysia, East Malaysia. If you are an Anak Sulong of this land, please come to the front. Please come to the front. You're going to represent and stand in proxy for your people group, for your tribe. Come, come. All the Iban, Bidayu, Lunbawang, Klabit, um, Dusuns, wherever you are, please, 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 please come. We want to lay hands on you as you represent your people group, as you represent your family. Please, please, please come, come, come. In Jesus' name, Kora Mama Mase. Leaders, pastors, come. Can you just lay hands? 
Yes, yes. Just lay your hands, lay your hands on them. Oh, oh, set them free. Break every chain, break every chain. Come, come into your identity. Hey, come into your identity. Anasulongs, know who you are. Know who you are. You are the son and the daughter of the Most High God. Hey, hey, yes, yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead. Whoever can be released, just can we have some body ministry? Actually, for as long as you are not tribal, can you just come and lay your hands on all our brothers and sisters here. They're in the front. Just come and just lay your hands on them and just, you know, touch them as we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just gonna pray now. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for your anasulongs of this land, God. I thank you, God, for their heritage. I thank you, God, for every one of their life and every one of the tribes that they're representing right now, even in this place, in this moment of history, even as they stand in proxy for their family and for their tribal people, God. I pray, Lord, that righteousness will arise within them, God, that they will say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me in jesus name father i just want to break off every generational curse over their life in jesus name every delay over their life in jesus name that they will have no fear no fear of taking that place of authority in jesus name and so we pray release your destiny lord release your destiny lord release your destiny over these ones in jesus name amen amen for the rest of us Continue to lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. We're all now caught up in this beautiful story of God. All of us are right now caught up in this destiny of God. And you get to make a decision whether you want to be part of this story, story or not. You get to make that decision right now. And even right now, I pray that you say yes. Yes, God, count me in. Count me in. I want to be part of this story that has begun from the previous generations to right now where we are and into the future. Count me in, Lord. Hear our hands. Begin to pray in your own way. Say, Lord, count me in, God. Count me in, God. I want to be part of this revival. I want to be part of what you are doing in this land. I want to be part of what you're doing in this nation. Call me in, Lord. Call me in, Lord. Catch me up. Catch me up. Catch me up. You know, it's not accidental that our 25th anniversary that we celebrated SIBKL 2019 before the MCO came. The theme of our celebration of 25th anniversary, you remember, is His story. Our story. When our story begins to merge with God's story, it is His story. And I don't believe that it's by accident that God has called SIBKL for this mission of impacting East Malaysia. You know, I was sharing with some people yesterday do you know that I have been to so many places in the early days trying to arouse the churches of Malaysia? Come on! This is our destiny. A spiritual revival comes from the East. Very few churches responded. I've been to conferences, pastors' conferences in, East, in, in, in the South. People rose up and gave me a standing ovation after I told them about investing in the East. I did that. I was upset and the Lord spoke to me his son don't be upset as long as you are faithful I've called you I've called SIBKL you are faithful you can see they can't see 
Don't be upset. All I need is one church. Only one church. That's obedient and is faithful. And God said, I will work. That's why I'm so passionate, you see. Join me. Believe in the cause that God has put upon us. Just do whatever we can and believe that the favor of God will come upon us and our land. And I know that the next generation will see the revival. May not be me. God's favor. Maybe I will see in my generation. But it will come, friends. It will come. Let's not stop now. Should we do that? Let's continue. Let's continue and believe. Let's all stretch our hands as we close. This has been an awesome mission week and you know that? Awesome. Not because of the programs, but because God is sending a message you and to me and we respond we respond so Father God you look down from heaven you see a group of people in the last three services you see people online wherever they are in their homes and Lord may we be counted to the very end. That truly, Lord, whatever that you have started, you will complete it. So, Father, we thank you for this wonderful privilege that we have to work with you, to Kurjasama with you. And it has been worth it. It has been worth it because you are worth it all. So separate us now with your blessing. Thank you so much for staying back. You've gone way beyond time. Thank you. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you all and your family and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards all of us and always grant us His shalom. In Jesus' precious name we pray and God's people say, Let's give God a good clap offering. Whoa!